Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. You don't have to scoop to anyone. Right. Even it, your mom, you know, when she's going <laughs> to pop eight, then you're going to pop her out, man. So we're going... <laughs> we moved into the balls D portion of the <laughs> There's some things you just can't buy in Vermont. It's like like Mex- Mexican America. food, you can't buy Mexican food. <laughs> Welcome everyone for a very special episode of Leaving a Pokemon Legacy. Uh, we are your number one source for all Pokemon Go news in North America. Joined, as always, by Trainer Pat. How are you? <laughs> Team Valor, man. If you're not living, if you're not living the Valor lifestyle, you're not living your fullest life. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, go for blue. I, I had, I, had a, I, I chose Valor. I was like, what type of player do you want to be? I want to be a blue player. Oh wait, no, Valor is red, bro. <laughs> oh fuck, oh, man, I'm colorblind. I can't tell. Mystic. What's the blue one? I'm you're the blue mystic. one. You're what mystic. Are, yeah, I'm Mystic. God damn it, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> you were riding Mystic. <laughs> Uh, actually, I was passing by a shop, and they actually had a sign in the window saying uh, that they are uh, uh, giving discounts if you are Team Mystic. A 10% discount. That's sick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. But for everyone at home who doesn't know what I'm talking about... (laughs) Well, hold on. I want to just put one more thing. Okay. If, If Nintendo is smart, they'll allow people to, like, rent... Uh, Pokestops, like I, I mean, I would pay to have a Pokestop like in my house, and I bet a business would pay big bucks to have a Pokestop in the middle of their business. Yeah, definitely, I'd agree. They should uh, rent those out. I actually saw a picture. I don't know if it was faked or not, but it was a uh, like a Zillow home ad, like sell, someone selling their home, yep. and in the description, it was it said conveniently located between two Pokestops. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. It's. I think it's definitely something people will be looking for. You know. I mean this. Uh, this game has become like I think uh, shares of Nintendo have surged like fifty percent. Yeah, I actually like that. I shorted uh, Nintendo uh, yesterday. You did, you monster! <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, it's paid off so far because it it spiked way up and it's come come down like two or three percent. Nothing crazy, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just can't believe how crazy popular this app about uh, fad from the 90s is. <laughs> I mean, I've literally never played a Pokemon game in my life. I've never played the card game. I never watched the show. Never been interested in it because I was just like a little too old when it first came out. Yeah. Um, and But that being said, this game is like very easy to digest. It's on my phone, which is awesome. It's a great thing to do when I'm out walking with my kids or walking my dog. Um, and it's just like, it's it's a Nintendo game. So Nintendo games are for everybody, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, I've been very, very happy with it. I think they also made a great decision by only making it the original 150 Pokemon instead of the 1,000 whatever the fuck those things are. That's, that too, that's too many Pokemon. <laughs> that's too many. I was reading, so like, uh, Bloomberg and Wall Street Journal and just all the uh, market, uh, like, finance news media has gone like just taken the story and run <laughs> because it's just like Nintendo stock has been notoriously flat for ever basically and then they come out with this game and just change the way everyone thinks about like uh just interacting just have you have you experienced just kind of the social aspect of uh, Pokemon Go? Uh actually yeah I have. Um I 
trying to think. I was up in uh, my neighborhood. There's like um, a little like cul-de-sac near a church, like maybe like a half mile from my house, hmm. that has like six Pokestops in it because there's like six like like in this little cul-de-sac, which is all within like a hundred yards of each other. Um, so I just happened to walk up there because it was such a high density that you can't, you know, gamers got a game like that's just what is gonna happen. So I had to go up there and just uh, and check it out. Um, so I was up there and, uh, just hitting all the Pokestops and this other kid is up there and he's clearly doing it because he's on his phone, like looking down, like, you know, scanning stuff, whatever. And he just like, as I'm walking away, he like, he like calls over to me, comes up, says, Hey, are you playing? He's like, catch anything good? I'm like, ah, nothing really. There's a couple Weedles down here, whatever. <laughs> and then he starts talking to me about Pokemon. He's like, Oh, what team are you on? We happen to be on the same team. And, uh, then he added me as a friend on Facebook. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, he's only like, he, he can't be more than like, 20 years old, yeah. but uh, it is it is fun, there's, so there's definitely a pretty cool social aspect to it. I would imagine that someone like you in the, the city with a much de- more densely populated uh, uh, area, we must have some good stories about that. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. I actually, uh, so Blake, he's a uh, lands player, he actually, he, I think he top 32 at SCG Worcester with lands, uh, but he works in the city by me, and he was just like tweeting out like all the hot spots. Uh, I'm like, oh man, I gotta get down there on my lunch break. <laughs> he was wearing a Pokemon shirt at the open. Yeah. Oh my god, it's it's awesome. But yeah. No, honestly, between the subway stop I get off at and my office, there is roughly 40 Pokestops. Jeez. Because like all the Pokestops are like historic landmarks uh, or like places of interest, and my office is on the Freedom Trail. Oh my god. <laughs> so it's, it's just a- like left, right, left, right, left, right Pokestops everywhere. <laughs> Uh, and sorry for everyone who don't, who doesn't know what the hell we're talking about, but Nintendo released a new cell phone game that has swept the nation. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, we're changing the name of the show to Leaving a Pokemon. Pokemon. Just a poke, just leaving a Pokemon. Yep, I leaving mean, a Pokemon. <laughs> that makes me think you're just like shitting out an egg and a Pokemon appears. I got so many Weedles over here, man. I need to get them out of my inventory. Too many Weedles. Hashtag. Pokemon Go problems. Oh my god, yeah. But no, it's hilarious. I was walking around like uh, my town town center, like around mm-hmm. the town hall. There's like a baseball field, a soccer field, and I'm just walking around and I'm looking. I'm with my roommate, and there are just these packs of people just like walking in circles around like the baseball field and like walking over pet down by like the fences and everyone just on their phone playing the game and like this guy on a skateboard comes by and he's just on his phone and he's just like slowly gliding along on his on his skateboard <laughs> and he just looks at me and goes yo you get that zubat <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Like, uh, I mean, honestly, like one of the cool things you just said in that whole like that whole like little diatribe is <laughs> all these people outside walking. Like, who would have thought oh, some yeah. company could get gamers? Like, everyone thought the Wii was a big deal because you got people standing up and moving their arms. Mm-hmm. Now people are actually outside their house walking around. I mean, it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty great thing. I, I think it's uh, you know, it's awesome. I hope yeah. that they continue to kind of go in this direction. Right. And for our listeners who, who don't know, uh, the way the game works is it's a video game on your phone, but instead of having a joystick to move your character around the map, it's tagged to your GPS location. So in order to move your character around the map, you actually have to go and walk around because <laughs> the map is taken from, I think, like Google Google Earth or whatever. Yep. yep. Uh, so it's just the, it's, an, it's a replica of your surroundings. And you walk around and you catch little monster guys. 
Thank God Adrian's not in the cast right now. Oh my God, we would. About... <laughs> he would have had, he would have complained at least seven times by now. <laughs> talking about Big Brother and. <laughs> Government gonna take my guns. <laughs> um, but in all honesty, no, the game is uh, how, great. How can I hunt Pokemon without my guns, Pat? <laughs> honestly, like I have never played a Pokemon game in my life, and I I highly recommend it to anyone. Even if you've never played the game, never watched a show like me, um, you know I haven't done any of that stuff, and I found the game to be pretty fun, pretty entertaining. So it's worth a che- it's worth checking out. Yeah. All right, should we actually talk about magic now? Well, we can. I mean, we did have a big uh, a big Worcester Open this weekend, so we can. Uh, yeah, magic. I guess there's stuff to talk about. I yeah, so so Star City Games came back to Worcester to host host a big Legacy Open. Uh, we all attended. Actually, I think this is the first event that every member from the cast has been at since the last Worcester Open. I think like, so. Like yeah. major event, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I guess we should have figured that out when we were there, but. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a good time. Uh, I mean, none of us made day two, but I think we all had like fairly decent showings overall. It was a good, um, uh, consolation prize. Even, yeah. even without making day two, it was still a really good day. Yeah, absolutely. We got to meet a lot of our friends, actually got to have some fun interactions with fans, um, and, uh, you know, listeners of the cast. Um, Jerry, you want to like kind of run down your day tell us how it went? Yeah, um, I, I had an okay day. I actually started off really well. I started the day 3-0, and and which was no small feat considering my round one opponent was my favorite deck, Death and Taxes. <laughs> <laughs> like, he just goes, he just goes Caracas, Aether Vile, go. And I'm like, God fucking damn it. <laughs> it was actually at that moment I knew I was not day twoing. Because if, like, okay. that is the way the tournament's starting, uh, then it's not going to go very well from there. But I somehow yeah. miraculously won that matchup. Um, mo- despite I made a massive punt and was saved by the sheer fact that my opponent made a bigger punt. <laughs> <laughs> so it's game three. We're in turns of game three. Uh, so we're both under like a time, like really time pressure, uh, and we're like wound up tight, you know, trying to get the match over with. Uh, and I have a sneak attack in play and a Jace the Mind Sculptor in play. My opponent is tapped out and has a containment priest in play. In my hand, I have Ponder, uh, Grizzlebrand, uh, Emmercool. Also, my opponent has a Phyrexian Revoker in play on Grizzlebrand. Um, so I, like a fucking idiot, just activate sneak attack and put Emrakul into play. And my opponent goes, okay, points at Containment Priest and says, it's exiled. (laughs) And I'm like, fuck. (laughs) All right, you're right. (laughs) I take Emrakul and I put it in the exiled pile. I then take, go with Jace the Mind Sculptor, minus one Jace, bounce your Containment Priest. (laughs) <laughs> he's tapped out so he can't flash it back in I'm like pay one red activate sneak attack uh, put in Grizzlebrand yes. <laughs> my, my opponent's on like 14 life and uh, I need to kill him uh, this turn because he can win on the crackback because I'm on like 3 <laughs> and he has a Phyrexian Revoker uh, and I think he had like a Stoneforge or something I, I was he had lethal on board um, so I tap the I Tap the ponder, uh, find, find nothing with ponder, so I find, don't find Emrakul with ponder, so I shuffle. <laughs> okay. Draw off the top, and I find Brainstorm. 
<laughs> I cast Brainstorm. Uh, don't find Emrakul in the top three, but I find another Ponder. <laughs> I cast the Ponder <laughs> and look one card deeper because I already knew two of the cards thanks to Brainstorm. Don't find Emrakul. Oh my god. So I shuffle with Ponder. <laughs> I draw off the top from the Ponder, and it's the Emrakul. <laughs> oh. <laughs> How many did you run in the main? Uh, three. Okay. But this was game three, and I'm, I had sided one out. Oh, shit. So I had... the deck? Yeah, there was one in the deck. <laughs> and I just blind-ripped it off, like, ponder, po- ponder, brainstorm, ponder. Wow. Ker- Kerman was behind me the entire time, and I just, like, was hearing him make small noises every time I drew a card. He's like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> oh, you got it. Oh, so I swang for lethal and, and somehow, without ever deserving it, won that match. <laughs> wow. Um, up next, I played Infect, and uh, I I won that one pretty easily. Sudden Shock is just a hell of a card in that matchup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just got, I, I turn one Tim game one, and game two, I just had the Sudden Shocks at exactly the right moment. Uh, up next in thir- third match of the day, I played Burn. And that was kind of a race. Burn is is a favorable matchup, but it's not, like, locked up by any regards. It's like a 55, even maybe a little less than that, 45 uh, matchup. So I was just able to outrace him. Uh, then I went up against uh, Death and Taxes again round four. <laughs> and I was just, Death and Taxes does what Death and Taxes does, and he just shut me down. Um, so he, so picked up my first loss against Death and Taxes. Uh, after that, I played Eldrazi, and I was able to beat Eldrazi. My deck did what I intended it to do. Uh, you know, Moat was awesome in that matchup. Uh, Nahiri, uh, ended up, uh, coming into play, uh, you know, being able to exile Eldrazi, who went on the offensive, and then also just finding Emrakul for the win. Mm -hmm. Actually, no, sorry, finding, uh, Ashen Rider for the win. Um, and then after that I played Infect again, uh, and I just couldn't get it. He, he just, uh, his combo worked better than my combo. Uh, the de- my deck just didn't really come together in that matchup. Uh, so I picked up my second loss of the day against Infect, which is funny because my first two wins of the day were Death and Taxes and Infect. I just mm-hmm. couldn't beat the same deck, uh, twice that day. And then, uh, after that, I went up against, uh, Ad Nauseam Tendrils. Uh, which it, it just is a faster combo deck than mine again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that picked up my third loss and I, I dropped after that so I could, you know, spend time with everyone. Yeah. But yeah, overall, like, I was happy with the deck. It's just, uh, maybe I think the meta is shifting away from, you know, what I want to be doing. Like, I just wanted to kind of play against Miracles, uh, Delver decks all day. Yep. And I just got, uh, like, de- besides Death and Taxes, which is just hands down the Sneak and Show's worst matchup in uh, no matter what, every other deck I played that day was just, like, a lightning-fast deck. Yeah. Like, Infect, Infect, Eldrazi, Ant. Um, just not really something I want to see as a medium-speed combo deck. I want a little time to set up and then, you know, just go bigger. Yep. And they just kind of got under me. So just... Not not what I was hoping to play against, but you know, still coming away with a you know four and three record, I thought was pretty good, even despite the the bad matchups. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, face death taxes twice for you is uh, 
Yeah. Being able to go, being able to split that matchup is pretty great for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, kept trying, I think, so I am now, he was my 30th match loss. I am, uh, <laughs> so I picked up a win as well, so I'm now 7 and 30 against Jeff and Taxes. Oh, that's rough. That's matches, that's rough. not games. 7 yeah. and 30. <laughs> that's rough. <laughs> uh, I had an equally, well, well, like, I was actually pretty happy with my performance, but also a little bit disappointed. Um, I so round one, I actually faced Death and Taxes as well. Uh, this guy George, nice guy. Uh, we played three tight games. Um, well, the first one I kind of uh, uh, got blown out. Uh, he was, I mean, I had, he was at twenty, and like once they hit Batter Skull, if I can't do anything about it, it's pretty much game over. I can't ba- beat a Batter Skull. Being on, you know, I was on Blue Red Delver, obviously. Um, game two uh, came real close, and I hit him for exactsies. Um, and game three was very, very similar. I mean, like the left holes were like you know five and three and ten and three um, at the le- the end. So, they're both games are super close. Um, round two, uh, I was facing against like a uh, like a bug list, like a Charlotte's bug. Um, and as a, this kid Tim, and so Tim and I, it's kind of a funny story. Tim and I are sitting down, and uh, he just said hi. I said hi. We were shuffling up, whatever. And uh, you know they're calling for all the um, you know all the feature matches, whatever. So someone was sitting next to me, a, a big name. I can't remember his, you know, who it was, but they got up to go to a feature match. And like the the neck, the people on the other side of us, uh, the Jason from where I'm sitting, uh, the kid hasn't had his opponent yet. So the kid's sitting there waiting, and all of a sudden, like, Reed Duke sits down. And my my opponent, Tim, like, looks over across the table at me and says, Oh, I thought you were going to be the most famous person at the table today. And I just start laughing, because I didn't know what he meant by that, like, when Reed Duke sat down. So anyway, so we're playing, and uh, I'm able to beat him um, in two games. A wicked nice kid. Uh, after the games, he's like, Hey, man, I just want to let you know that I listen to the podcast. It gets me through my work day. And so, like, the kind of uh, dynamic changed a lot there. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm really happy to hear that you listen to the cast. And it's always it's always great to hear from listeners. Like, so, if you see so one of us... stop being a scumbag to him. Is what <laughs> <laughs> no, they were, I mean, they were, like, very tight games. Um, it just, it just, you know... How many like, times did you cast Chain Lightning as an instant? I actually didn't play Chain Lightning, <laughs> so I wouldn't do that this time. <laughs> didn't play Chain Lightning. Uh, <laughs> but, um, no, it was just really good. Um, game two, he just kind of got... He, I probed him on, like, turn one, and he has, like, Wasteland, like, two Abrupt Decays, Jace, Tarmogoyf, Liliana, and Sylvan Library, and he just never hits a second land drop. He has, like, a single Wasteland and just never hits a waste, never hits another <laughs> land drop. So, like, I was able to, to get him out of that game pretty quickly, um, whereas, like, if he hit two land drops, he would have just destroyed me, because my whole deck dies to Abrupt Decay, Jace is really good against me, Tarmogoyf is a beast... Liliana's really good against me, so um, I definitely lucked out there. Uh, he wasn't able to get that going, but uh, yeah, super nice kid. Um, round three, I actually faced uh, the same kid who played Reduke next to me, and so I knew I was in for a bad day because, uh, you know, uh, Adrian and I last week talked about uh, the deck Oops All Spells, and, you know, I was assuring him how, you know, you're never going to see this at the at the, uh, at the Open Man. Like, you don't need to Warp your sideboard for playing, you know, to play Oops All Spells. Oh, I and heard. Of, I and, heard. Of, and of course, <laughs> of course, uh, round three, I play, uh, this kid Brad on Oops All Spells. <laughs> uh, so game one, I lose the die roll and he kills me. Um, uh, game two, I'm on the play and so I, I side out like the price of progress because that's useless, right? And I bring in Cage, I bring in, and I bring in Surge, Surgical Extraction. Uh, two of each. I've never heard that nickname before, but I kind of like it. <laughs> I brought in the surge. <laughs> so, 
uh, I get in my head, right? I get in my head that, you know, because I got stomped by this deck online, and now I just got stomped in game one, so I kind of get a little bit too into my head and think, I'm going to lose this matchup, right? I have to get Surgical Extraction in my hand, in my opener. I have to get Surgical Extraction, because, you know, he's, when he's playing his deck, when he flips the deck over, the first thing he does is he brings back the Narc Amoebas, right? Um, then he flashes back Cabal Therapy, and he just automatically names Force of Will. Like, doesn't even think about it, just names Force of Will. So, I'm thinking, okay, he, I can't have Force of Will in my hand, because he's just gonna rip it out of my hand with Cabal Therapy. So, unless I get a God Hand that's like, Force, Force, Double Blue Card, or Surgical Extraction, I am completely screwed. So, what I do is, I do the smart thing, and I mulligan to three, chasing after... <laughs> Chasing after a surgical extraction. My opening seven was actually like pretty good. And I'm like, no, I need the surgical. Cause I just, I just got in my head that I have to have that card. I'm all good to three. Uh, three meaningless cards, no permission. Um, and he proceeds, like, you know, we go probably three or four turns. So now I'm kicking myself because I had a chance, you know, with my opener to set up some kind of defense. And, uh, he then belches me on turn, like, turn four. Um, and I didn't, I didn't expect that. I didn't realize that they, they go into the belcher, uh, thing post board. Or I guess I didn't, I hadn't really considered it. Um, so that was my first loss today in round three. And I was pretty bummed, um, to, to lose, to lose to Oops All Spells. Um, there was a few people actually at the event playing it, but I do know that, um, Brad, uh, day two'd. So, I mean, you can call me responsible for letting Oops All Spells get into day two of the, uh, of the open. So. <laughs> That's my bad, guys. My bad. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I remember. I remember you and uh, I listened to the last week's cast uh, actually earlier today, uh, and you guys were talking about like a comparison between Oops All Spells and Charbelcher. And yeah. The way I think about it, it's it's they're pretty much the same deck except uh, Oops All Spells relies on the graveyard. Yeah. So that's what Adrian was saying uh, last week about you know Oops All Spells being more fragile. It's because right. it functions exactly the same as you would expect Charbelcher to function, except it has to go through the graveyard. Yeah. So I mean that that's is kind of you know that's why you see more Charbelcher than Oops All Spells just for that that fact. It just adds a couple percentage points in Charbelcher's favor. Yeah. You're doing the same thing. Why bother going through the graveyard and you know exposing yourself to surgical? Like Charbelcher doesn't care two shits about surgical right. interaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, so at this point I'm two one. Uh, still live for day two, so I'm still playing. Um, round four I play against this kid Matt. He's on like uh, a Madrazi brew, I guess you'd call it. Um, and I just beat him in two games. It wasn't particularly close, uh, especially game two. Um, I basically was able to to lock him out of the game uh, fairly quickly. Um, Round five, I played against a real Eldrazi deck, um, and this is where I picked up my second loss. Um, I was able to get game one, um, just keeping him off with forces and dazes. Um, game two, he crushed me. Um, game three, again, was like super, super close. Um, but again, I got I got beat out by Eldrazi. Um, it's a difficult deck for me to play against. Uh, Thought Not Seer is a great card. He just his cards are just bigger than mine, and I have to continually fight the Chalice on one. Uh, which I think he tried to drop in all three games, and I was able to fight it off twice. Um, so that was my second loss. So at this point, I'm like three and two, but still doing okay. Um, and then round six, I play against this kid Rory, and he's on burn, and he just like kind of two owes me pretty quickly. Um, I have a hard time with that deck against burn, mainly because like I run four Price of Progress main, and in all reality, it probably should be three, but four is a little bit aggressive. Um, but the Price of Progress are just completely dead against burn, right? Like, just 
really does not work in my favor because I don't I don't always want to be fetching basics if I don't have to. Um, and Burn is not running any any duels or anything any non basics unless they're running like the one of Barbarian Ring. Um, so he two owes me. Um, I literally have nothing to bring in from the sideboard, so I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with that. And I'm thinking like and and you can I can get your kind of uh, your thoughts here. But what about what do you think about Winter Orb versus Burn? Um, because it, because it's just very, I was thinking about doing a one of Winter Orb because it's great against Miracles, it's good against Grixis, um, and I would think that it would help slow down Burn a little bit because they're just tapping out every turn anyway. That's the thing, like it, Winter Orb is great against like Miracles. That's one, like that's why Rug Delver, uh, run we the Rug Delver we saw at Bizarre Moxon was running it was for the Miracles matchup. Mm-hmm. Burn, I mean, yeah, but not as much as you would think. Like, yeah. Burn is a deck that can operate on one red mana a turn fairly easily. It's like, yeah, you might buy yourself a turn by locking them out of playing that second uh, Lightning Bolt, but you also have to keep in mind, you're basically time-walking yourself. If you spend turn two playing a Winter Orb, that's yeah. also going to slow you down, and you're also not going to really do anything meaningful on the board against Burn. Yeah. Plus, yeah. plus, you know, they can just finish you off with a Fire Blast once they get you low enough. Right. Yeah, that's all, that's, those are all true things for sure. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to think of what I want to run in my sideboard that isn't like a dead card in other matchups. Mm-hmm. Because this is like the second or third time I've played against Burn. Like, not, this is the first time in a large tournament. Um, but yeah, I've played against it a few, like, uh, of the, you know, going up to Etsy and going up to C or whatever. And I find, I find I have a very difficult time with that deck, against that deck. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're just, you know, it's just, it's a faster burn deck than I'm running. Yep. And I and I, and it's you know I'm running duels so like I have a lot of dead cards in my ma- in my main deck like like you said probe is a terrible card versus <laughs> yeah. probe you know um, I mean even forcible is a bad card oh yeah yeah like, it's, like it's forcible terrible. is discard a card and still take a damage in the first place yep <laughs> uh, so unless you're like I mean you want to leave it in there for the like the price of progress well I guess you don't really care about it that much but mostly like the fire blast like the big mm-hmm. spells you still want to leave forcible in there for but it doesn't feel good. Right. Um, I would say insti- instead of trying to shut down burn, I would just say put it in your favor a bit more. I would look for kind of like incidental life gain uh, spells. Okay. Like for blue red, one of the best things you can have against burn is Umazawa's Jide. Yep. Uh, because you throw it on a creature, and now the burn player is fo- faced with a tough choice of a either letting you gain life off of the counters from Jit. Or now pointing all their burn spells at your creatures, making sure that they can't pick up the jet. Right. So if you have like a young pyromancer out and a couple tokens, they're gonna have to spend, they're gonna have to fire lightning bolts off at tokens <laughs> in order to kill them from, you know, connecting with the Umazawa's Jide. Right. Right. So, yeah, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying, just to to cap it off, like Jit is gonna be one of your best friends in in that matchup. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I don't play the Young Pyromancer, but like I would think that um, a card like uh, Storm Chaser Mage would be great with a Jit. Yeah. Uh, just because of the three toughness. So if they go to bolt it, it's very easy for me to uh, play any spell to negate their bolt kind of thing. Right. Right. Um. So yeah, that's a, that's a very good idea. Um. And I now have three Jits thanks to uh thanks to having Eldrazi together. So that's not a bad idea in the sideboard card. Yeah. I just I just want to have a sideboard card that's versatile mm-hmm. because 15 spots just isn't a lot. Uh, in, against the whole field. Jit is pretty versatile. I don't know if you've read it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is, it is very versatile. It's just, a lot of times, like, I'm just beating them before I want to play Jit. But, in a long, drawn-out matchup, maybe Jit's a great card. Maybe it's, like, something I want against 
even uh, like miracles or something. I don't know. Uh, not so much miracles because miracles can usually keep the jit off the creature, and you end up just wasting mana. But sure. against decks like elves, it's very good. Uh, and well, like, yeah, like it's great against death and taxes too. Oh yeah, great, great in death and taxes, and also it can just kind of help win those matchups with the other Delver decks. Yeah. Um, so Jit can kind of make up for the fact that you your creatures tend to be a bit smaller than you know the bug and rug variants. Yeah. Um, yeah. So lost to burn uh, gave me some kind of a, a moment to think about what I want to do with my sideboard there. Um, so at this point I'm three and three. Um, what I consider myself out of det- out of um, uh, possibility to make day two. I guess I guess some X threes can make it into day two, but like, do I really want to go like six three and then play in day two and not even money? Probably not. Especially uh, when you have picked up your losses so early in the tournament. Like, exactly. Yeah, it's one thing going like five wins and then like just like fuck up your last three rounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, if you pick them up early, just also the chances of picking up another loss somewhere between then and the end of the tournament. Yeah, exactly. And I had a lot of incentive to go have dinner with the guys. So, um, I did end up playing round seven just because I was waiting for you to have kind of your, to either pick up your third loss or continue on. Uh, that was going to kind of determine when we ate dinner. So I played against, um, uh, a young girl, Annalise. She was on, uh, Storm. And, uh, she stormed me out game one. I had her, like, basically dead to rights. And you know how Storm does its thing. Like, it waits, it waits, it waits until it's back against the wall and then it just storms you out. Because they just need, like, you know, they need, like, a, um, uh, what's the word, uh, uh, like a certain density of spells in their hand or whatever. Like, a, a critical limit of spells, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, game two, um, I had, like, op- my, my opener has, like, turn one, uh, uh, turn one, uh, uh, uh Graftinger's Cage. Mm-hmm. So that's great against Storm, because they don't have a ton of answers for that. And I'm able to, uh, to rip her apart with Graftinger's Cage on the board. And then game, Game three goes very similar way, um, where I like my I like played Grafter's Cage in like maybe turn two, um, and then uh, she's like you know like I, I'm at thirteen, she's sitting at six, and I have like two Delver, like a Del, like a flip Delver um, and a Storm Chaser Mage in play, um, and like a Bolt in my hand, uh, and uh, she's looking at the board like you know what are we gonna do here, and uh, I have a <laughs> in my hand I have. Days, days, force of will. So I was feeling pretty good at that point, and um, she just goes to like uh, she plays like LED, LED uh, pitches past in flames to cast cabal. Oh, I'm trying to think how how did it go? LED, LED. I think she cast past the flames, holding priority, and pitched cabal ritual so she could flash it back. I think, and I just forced the past in flames, so it just basically emptied her hand for nothing, and was able to kill her on the crackback. Um, so it was a very like very tight game against Storm. She was she seemed like she was a fairly newer player, um, but she was very confident with the deck. Like she knew what she was she knew what she was looking for. You know what I mean? Like she wasn't a Storm player who's like fiddling with their deck, like trying to do the math in her head. She like she knew the cards she needed in her hand, and when she had them, she just she played them out like a pro. So you mean a Storm player like me? Like how I right. storm. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Just forgetting how much mana I have and storm counts. <laughs> and like, even when I use the dice, I just forget to move the dice. <laughs> no, Jerry, when, when you have, when you're playing storm, do you need to know how, what your storm count? Do you need to know how much mana you have left? <laughs> uh, they're fairly important. <laughs> uh, actually, that reminded me, uh, one of my favorite stories from SCG Worcester actually happened to, uh, Ian McCown, who is also playing a against Storm. <laughs> so Ian was uh, playing his Bant deck and he was playing against uh, Storm and he had a Batterskull out 
And so, you know, like you said, they were cracking back and forth, cracking back and forth, uh, just until, you know, like you said, until Storm has its back against the wall and then it goes off. And so the Storm player starts going off, like, uh, Ritual, Ritual, Lion's Eye Diamond, uh, uh, Infernal Tutor, uh, Tendrils U, Storm Count is 10. <laughs> and he's just looking so smug. And then Ian goes, Okay, I go from 34 to 14. Because <laughs> he had been attacking with batter skull. <laughs> and the sword player just goes, oh yeah, scoop. <laughs> that is what happens though, right? Like they just get it in their mind that this is the, yep. they need to storm for 10 and it's count an automatic win. Count to 10. <laughs> so that's, that's pretty funny. So yeah, it was, um, overall, like, you know, I finished four and three. I didn't play out the last two rounds, but I feel like at the very least I could have split them, so. Um, I did walk away from the tournament with like a, at least a plus 500 record, which is an improvement over, uh, the last time I was at SCG Worcester when I finished just under 500. Um, but I had a good time. Like the, you know, as always, SCG puts on a great tournament. Uh, the round turnover was really fantastic. Uh, online pairings are a godsend and everyone should be doing them all the time. Um, yeah, that's basically all I had, had from that event. Oh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about the event itself? Uh, there was a sweet hot tub expo going on next door. <laughs> there, it looked like the loneliest <laughs> hot tubs ever. Like every time there I walked by, there were like by, six people there. <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. Like, I, I mean, if they were working, I definitely would have hopped in the tub, man. No doubt about it. But I would like try to get like a special extension from the judges and like get a table over to the side of a hot tub and just invite my opponent in. Or, or like, if I really want to like like one up my opponent, just be in the hot tub and they have to sit in a metal chair across from me and like just being way more relaxed than my opponent. Um, maybe next time, next time I'm going to try to do that. Oh, uh, so, uh, the finals of, uh, the, the SG Worcester, um, was Grixis Delver piloted by Ed D'Amico and lands, uh, with Kevin King. Um, I didn't see anything too exciting in either of these, either of these lists. I don't know if you did. Oh, in these lists, uh, no, not really. I was, yeah. but the, I mean, I like that uh, the Grixis Delver is running the Stifle. Uh, that is a pet card of mine currently. I do like Stifle. You want to go? Why is that a pet card of yours, Jerry? Well, we can get into that a little later. We can go okay, to, all right. The, uh, let's finish up with the SCG. But all right, I, I fair do, enough. I do like me some Stifle. Yeah. So uh, Grixis Delver came in first, lands in second. Uh, Miracles in third, piloted by Joel Lissette, uh, which is actually, I think it's like a pretty big deal for him. He's, you know, he's like one of the best guys in the SCGs, uh, as far as, uh, as far as Miracles goes, so good, good on him. Uh, Rob Blocher, uh, came in fourth with Goblin Prison. Yeah. Is this the guy from Etsy, or is this a different guy? No, this isn't Zach. Uh, oh, Zach, that's, that's the guy from Etsy, yeah. Yeah, um... The, apparently there were like three or four goblin prison decks in the room that Jeez. day, <laughs> uh, which I think is funny. Uh, yeah. So for those who don't know the list, just because it's not a super common list, uh, the deck runs uh, four goblin rabble master. <laughs> what is the standard? Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, goblin settler, which is a hilarious card from like starter. <laughs> Yeah, it's from like, Starter. It's, I, it, it's like a $50 card, too. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. It's three and a red yeah. for a 1-1, one, one, so really good on the vanilla, <laughs> vanilla test. They are $70 each. It's an uncommon. <laughs> this is um, Force of Will prices right here. <laughs> so whenever Goblin Settler comes into play, destroy target land. It blows my mind that that card is $70. You know people have just thrown those out, because if you look at that card, it doesn't look like that good of a card. It's a, ca it's a casual card, man. It's got casual appeal all over it. <laughs> oh, um, my God. So he's got the two Imperial Recruiters. 
four Magus of the Moon, four Modcatcher, a Murderous Red well, Cap, hold on. CJ. Modcatcher, I don't think everyone knows. Modcatcher okay. is two, uh, <laughs> two and two red, so four mana total for a two-two. Pay three and tap it. Search your library for a goblin card. Then put that card into play. Then shuffle your library. So I guess, like, Imperial Recruiter is good. I mean, uh, Goblin Settler is good when you're only paying three for it. <laughs> yeah, or even more is, like, Siege Gain Commander for five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and even better, Kiki Jiki, and then you just start making copies of Siege Gain Commanders and copies of Goblin Settlers to uh, uh, kill all of their uh, lands and make a million Goblin Tokens. <laughs> and then it's also running a 1FP and Kirin Nalar. <laughs> yeah, again, what is the standard? <laughs> yeah. I think it's, yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, and then just four Chalice of the Void, three Chromox, three Trinisphere, four Blood Moon, and two Jit. <laughs> yeah, and if you're wondering how they're powering out all these Chalices and, and uh, Trinispheres and Blood Moons, they're running four Ancient Tombs and four City of Traders, along with ten Mountains and two Caverns uh, in their land package there. Uh, so they're just trying to lock you out of playing Magic, which is... Uh, a nice way to play the game. Yeah. Make, you make a lot of friends that way, right, Cherry? Yeah, so many friends. <laughs> Lifelong friends. Um, so the Goblin Prison deck is pretty sweet. Uh, there is like a... I didn't get a chance to look at this list too much, but there's a true... It's called Four Color Delver, and it's actually legitimately four colors running two Trops, two UCs, two Volcanics, um, four Wastelands, and a, and a smattering of uh, Fetches. Um, but he's running uh, four Deathrite Shaman, four Delvers, three Snapcasters... Uh, two Tarmogoyfs, and two True Name Nemesis, along with three Abrupt Decay in the main, which is the most I've seen in a, in a Grixis, or I guess four-color Devil List. Um, it, you know, running the two uh, the two Trops is incredibly important when you're playing Abrupt Decay, um, so that's obviously why he's able to fit it into the main there, which is just, Abrupt Decay has just been great against great against Chalice, it's great against, uh, against uh, Counterbalance, and uh, great against uh, Divining Top and all that stuff. Um... Brainstorm Days, Force of Will, Lightning Bolt, all four ups. Three Spell Pierce and four Ponder. Um, so that's a pretty sweet list, actually. I kind of like it. It's it's very neat and tidy. Yeah, yeah, very <laughs> like, much so. Because it's like three Flooded Strand, three Polluted Delta, three Scalding Tarn, <laughs> two Drops, two Underground, two Volcanic. <laughs> yeah. It's like a true four-color list. It's poetry. <laughs> it's real four-color. I think that's why he wanted to make sure that it was known as four-color Delver. So. Yeah. Good on Ben Freeman. Um, let's see. Infect coming in sixth, piloted by Todd Stevens. Uh, Mono Red Sneak Attack by Jeff Hoogland. Jeff Hoogland. Yep. Uh, he, was at the, he was at the open. Actually, I have to say, um, I am not a big Jeff Hoogland fan. <laughs> so however... Well. Okay. However, however, there is a caveat to this. Uh, he was actually on um, Cedric uh, Phillips does a podcast, uh, Ced Talks, mm-hmm. and he was on it. And it, just like the, the week before uh, the open was like uh, just an interview with Hoogland, and he actually kind of like I don't want to say retracted a lot of what he said about Legacy and just kind of the way he comes off as a person. Uh, but he just kind of clarified and sort of said, you know, was just explained that like the way he approached Legacy was probably the wrong approach. Like he wanted to come at it as I don't know. You'd have to listen to the, the interview, but it did it did change my mind about Jeff Hoogland a lot to where I didn't want to like you know, like cuss him out when I saw him because I really wasn't very <laughs> impressed with him. There um, was there was a period of time where many in the community perceived him as a enemy to the legacy format. Yeah, I think you know I think like right now he's so hot. I mean he's number one on the uh, on the leaders board um, for SCG right now. Uh, so he obviously is playing every big event they do. So I'm sure he, if he didn't have to play legacy he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, like I really appreciated what he had to say about the format. Um, 
you know, I, I mean, I don't need anyone to hold my hand and tell me the format I, I play is good, but it was just cool to hear him talk about sort of like mistakes that he's made, kind of uh, the way he sort of presents himself to the community. But uh, he was on Modern Red Sneak Attack, which is, he's been piloting on um, Magic Online a lot. And then finally, uh, eighth, Jonathan Morawski with Reanimator. Um, did you check out this list at all? I didn't see anything too crazy about it. No, pretty pretty much. Uh, yeah, pretty stock. I mean, the one show and tell main is cute. That's kind of yeah. like I haven't seen that in a while. Yeah. Like last time I saw that uh, in Estrad, like first in Estrad was standard legal. Yeah, he's got two more on the sideboard too. Yeah, having it in the sideboard isn't unusual. It's just I guess over the years the reanimator list got super tight and it kind of squeezed the show and tells out of the main. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, people do it every now and then. It's just it, it used to be more common than it is. Is it, the long yeah. way of what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um. So and uh, let we'll go run down the after 16th. We don't have to go too much into it. Uh, Sam Rookus, piloting miracles. Uh, G Fabs on um, uh, Teamer Delver, which is Rug Delver, I believe. Right. Uh, I believe this was also the first event. G, uh, or no, no he was at, he was at, yeah. Well, he, he was, was at Columbus, Columbus, but I don't know if he was actually playing at GP Columbus. He, he was playing at GP Columbus. He said, he was next to me, uh, when he was registering his deck list. I guess actually, which makes sense because I'm EU and he's FA. Mm-hmm. I didn't really think about that, but that makes sense as to why I've seen him twice now register deck list next to me at major events. <laughs> I've noticed that. I have, I have my deck register, uh, deck, uh, you know, player meeting buddies. Like every, okay. every single time I, I go to a major event, there's three or four guys that I can pretty much be assured <laughs> will also be at my table with me. Yep. Yep. That's uh, very comforting. Um, Punishing Maverick in 11th, uh, Grixis Delver in 12th, piled by Ken Ketter, Grixis Delver in 13th, in fact, in 14th by, by Zachary Cook. He's actually the guy who does the um, uh, the MTG training grounds that we see on our fa- on our Facebook page once in a while. He does those every week with like a prominent member of the legacy community um, on YouTube. They're they're actually pretty good, and he has them in podcast form too. So, uh, big props to Zach Cook, um, Jeff Fullness on Miracles in fifteenth, and then Rudy Briska punishing Abzan in sixth. <laughs> is is he related to Ruben Bresler as Adrian? <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, uh, by the way, uh, Blake Sanford in 19th, uh, yeah, good job, friend of Blake. ours on lands. Um, let's see. Caleb Schur in 21st in Storm. I'm trying to see if there's any, uh, uh, Ben Feingersh on lands in 20th. Let's see if I see anyone else who I know off the top of my head. Uh, Reed um, Duke in 95th. Reed Duke in 95th. <laughs> Do they put him on the, like, the end of the list just yeah, to be like, hey? He must have done, like, a deck deck or something. Oh, gee. Oh, he did do a deck deck, yeah. Yeah, He was on Elves. I saw him, so round two. Round I, yeah, I looked at him two. like, man, that is not a good deck. Oh, I felt bad for him. I wanted to talk to him because, like, occasionally if I see, like, someone who's, like, a well-known magic personality, I'll talk to him, um, and, you know, kind of, just, first of all, introduce myself, tell them I appreciate what they do, and then get a feel for, like, if they'd be into coming on the cast, because I think it'd be fun to have, like, Reduke on the cast. But I'm telling you, man, I was not about to ask Reduke to come on the cast after he loses to <laughs> fucking oops all spells. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, man, I don't, I'm not, even I'm not that ballsy, I'm not gonna do that to the poor guy. Oh, man. Oh, also, so. uh, Alan Shoop in 31st on Sneak and Show. Shoop. Shoop, he's uh he's he's my sneak and show buddy at uh tournaments. He's been on sneak and show for longer than I have. Nice. Uh, and he, we're always just comparing notes whenever I run into him in events. Uh, so he's awesome. a good guy to talk to. So, awesome. Uh, yeah, he he came, squeaked into the thirty uh thirty second bracket. So good on him. 
Nice. Very nice. Congratulations to all our friends at the, uh, at the tournament. It's great to see Blake do well again. That kid just loves a lands deck. He does very well with it. Plays, uh, what, Red Green Lands, if I'm not mistaken? Yep. And, uh, yep. And he just, he's, uh, he's a beast with it. I played him in the, uh, the Grixis matchup more than once, and it's a fucking miserable matchup. Just, yeah, that's uh, not it's, a good it's, for <laughs> it's not even that it's not a good matchup. It's like, Grixis, you feel like you're in it. Right up until you die. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you, you oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. And you legitimately are in it right up until you die. So like you can't just like scoop when they have like the loop the uh the punishing fire loop. You have to like just play through it. Yep. Um and uh you're I mean you're not dead. I mean you can still get like a Germag angler. <laughs> yeah, the, you can live the dream and get your your one of one of your two Germag anglers or you know, it's yeah. it, it is there. I mean I've I've beaten them before. It's not like impossible, but it's it's not a great matchup, but it's just really grindy and and it's going to be long and drawn out. Well, you know, Pat, you know what would make that matchup better? Oh, 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 oh man, <laughs> I hear the foot. I hear the footsteps. I hear the footsteps of like someone like I mean, not as big as Emmercool, but like <laughs> significantly bigger than like a girl, like two two and a half Gurmag anglers, roughly. <laughs> <laughs> It's, oh, it's, it's, it's the, the dreaded footsteps of the Phyrexian Dreadnought. Yeah, the, the big old bug. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Stifle. Stifle would be great in that matchup, Pat, because you can just Stifle uh, the Thespian stage activation, so Ooh, yeah. he doesn't get it. He, he doesn't get it. Uh, <laughs> fun fact for those at home, do not Stifle the Dark Deaths trigger. <laughs> because it then just goes on the stack and goes off again. That's a hard right. lesson that some people learn. But yeah, do it, not it, do not stifle the dark depths. It ends up being two middle fingers instead of one. Yeah, <laughs> you throw away a stifle that you could have used to interrupt the combo but didn't, <laughs> and they still get a twenty twenty. Oh man. Uh, that was just that was that was a kind of a, a grasping at straws for that segue. Stifle's not that good in that matchup. <laughs> No, but you know what? I heard Stifle is a lot of fun to play in. Phyrexian Dreadnought. Yeah. So why don't you talk about your uh, your Magic Online list? Yeah, so I just kind of wanted to go a little fair for a while, uh, putting down Sneak and Show, and also, I, you know, on a budget on Magic Online, Eternal Masters made a bunch of stuff cheap, so I was able to get, like, Wastelands and Dazes and Force of Wills, you know, Delver's cheap. So I'm like, yeah, what, what can I build with these cards that are within my budget? Tarmogoyf is still like 50 bucks each, so I'm not buying those online. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, I have pretty much everything for Bug Delver except for the Tarmogoyfs. I wonder what I can fill in that position. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell them. Tell them what you did, Jerry. <laughs> uh, so I put together uh, Bug Bug Delver with Bug standing for the giant bug of uh, Phyrexian Dreadnought. <laughs> uh, I'm pulling up the list right now, but uh, it's been a ton of fun. Um you should call it Bug Knot. Bug Knot. I mean, yeah. I think I'm going to write about it for my Hipsters of the Coast article uh, yeah. that's going to come out next week. Uh, actually, it should be probably about a day after this gets released. Um, but, yeah, I just... It's it's a lot of fun. I don't think it's... Can, like, I wouldn't run it in a major event. Um, just because... Stifle Knot has always had the biggest problem of being card disadvantage. Yeah. You're spending two cards to get one card in play. Granted, that card is a 12-12, but, you know, basically ever since Ravnica, uh, sorry, not Ravnica, Innistrad was printed, and Ravnica as well, uh, Phyrex Phyrexian Dreadnought was kind of been on the outs, because 
I can either spend two cards and two mana to get a 12-12 Trampler, or I can do the same thing in Reanimator and get a Grizzlebrand and refill my hand with seven new cards so the card disadvantage doesn't feel as bad. Mm-hmm. Then, like, the real nail in the coffin for uh, Dreadnought back in the day was the printing of Abrupt Decay, because nothing's worse than spending two cards to get a Dreadnought in play to have it then just instantly Oof. be Abrupt Decayed. Yeah, that can be rough. <laughs> I can see that. Um, but you can definitely get some free wins off of it, and I've kind of taken some uh, measures to protect myself from getting blown out. <laughs> uh, also, early shout-out to Dominic. He's actually been on blue-black uh, Phyrexian Dreadnought for a while now, so he shared his list with me, and I, I got a couple ideas from it. Nice. But uh, So the what the list looks like is... So we got... Four brainstorm, four ponder. Uh, you know that's pretty stifle, uh, standard for any uh, <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> uh, pretty standard uh, for any you know blue based Delver deck. Uh, we got four stifle, uh, two thoughtsies, uh, four days, four abrupt decay, a toxic deluge, and a force of will for the spells. Um, then for creatures, we have four Delver of Secrets, four Deathrite Shaman, four Phyrexian Dreadnought, and then two Gurmag Angler. And then I'm running two Torpor Orb, which is an artifact for two. Creatures entering the battlefield don't cause abilities to trigger. It's It shuts Phyrexian Dreadnought off, so Phyrexian Dreadnought literally just becomes a one-mana 12-12 with Trample. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it also just shuts down so many cards. Like, Snapcaster Mage doesn't do anything anymore. Stoneforge Mystic doesn't do anything anymore. Uh, Vendillion Click. Uh, you know, pretty much Elves gets shut down, so they have to basically rely on the Natural Order uh, combo. Um, you know, it shuts down Thought Not Seers. Like, there are so many creatures in the format that are good because of their Enter the Battlefield abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ashen Rider. So it's just like running. Uh, Thought not here. Yeah, yeah. Now that I think about it. Jeez. It, it's 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 basically like just running a pre-boarded sideboard card that also just gives you advantage for your deck. Uh-huh. Um, shuts off baleful Strix. Um, then for the mana base, I'm running uh, four wasteland, three underground sea, three tropical island, uh, four polluted delta, two flooded strand because I can't afford misty rainforests online. <laughs> Uh, a swamp and an academy ruins, and the academy ruins is so that uh, you can always get Phyrexian Dreadnought and Torpor Orb back by putting it on top of your library. Oh, nice! Um, so yeah, I, the deck kind of operates on two levels. Um, one is it's a fair deck, which is kind of what I wanted to try after playing Sneak and Show, uh, where you're just kind of your traditional Bug Delver deck. You know, get in some Delvers. Drain life with some uh, Deathrite Shamans, have the Gurmag Angler as the big beater, and then just like protect him with, uh, you know, Daze and Force of Will, and then clear the way with Abrupt Decay uh, and a Toxic Deluge for like the token decks and the decks that go wide. Uh, but then on the other level, because I can never truly get away from combos entirely, um, you have the Stifle Phyrexian Dreadnought plan of just cheating a massive fatty into play, and the Stifle is just like icing on the cake of what's already a really good mana denial plan. Um, Wasteland plus uh, Days can be really powerful in protecting a Delver of Secrets, 
And then when you add Stifle on there, it can just tip it so that you just wipe out your opponent's mana base really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost kind of want to try it, uh, try a version of the deck running Sinkhole and just see, see if, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just go like all out like blue black uh, land destruction with uh, Phyrexian Dreadnought. Nice. Um, I think that would be kind of more of a controlling build without Delver of Secrets and kind of going a little higher on the top end, like maybe throw in some Jaces. Yep. But uh, yeah, deck's been a lot of fun. Uh, definitely still need uh, to have some kinks worked out of it. Uh, but I'm enjoying it, and it's it's nice being able to play, like, a pseudo-real deck on Magic Online. Mm-hmm. Like, just being able to play with, like, Wasteland Days, Force of Will, and Delver of Secrets, and the various builds that I can make with that, uh, just makes me feel like I'm, I'm getting a lot more uh, value out of Magic Online. Yeah. Um, I like the kind of segment you guys talked about uh, last week, where you got into kind of, like, Magic Online and playing on there. Mm-hmm. I thought you made some, uh, some good points, Pat. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been good. I I enjoy Magic. I'm actually gonna play uh, I'm gonna play a little bit of my league today. I think uh, when we get off the cat, get off the call. Yeah. Get uh, some reps in. We should uh, you wanna do some play testing? Yeah, I'd be into that. Yeah. You can make a video. You know, uh, one of Ooh. those one of those. Videos, a grudge match. Those VHSs that are kept on the top <laughs> shelf in the closet. Yes, that's what they are. Those are the kind of videos we're making, Jerry. Those are the types of videos we make. <laughs> so I had uh, one of the uh, the uh, Tusk guys send me a message on Facebook the other day. And uh, he asked me, uh, Evan asked me, are we going to talk about the buyouts this week? Because <laughs> Evan has a very strong opinions on the buyouts. And uh, they talked about him on Tusk Talk, which will probably be released fairly, fairly shortly. Uh, um, I'm so tired of the bias. <laughs> I, I know. Do you want to talk? I mean, do you want to? I don't want to. I don't know how deep you want to go into this. I, I mean, I feel I like we should address it. Yeah, it's bad because I, I, I told I would talk, I tried to talk to Adrian about it last week, and I said, oh, you know, like um, City of Traders got bought out, and he goes, oh, that doesn't matter, and it, it matters. Yeah, yeah it kind of matters. <laughs> he, he likes to brush it off, but I think it matters. I think it's a pretty big deal. Um, at the very least, like it's you know, if it's not a long term stick as far as the, the price goes, it certainly does just raise the price forever. Right. You know, even if it only raises it ten or fifteen percent, it still raises it forever. It mm-hmm. doesn't go back down. Doesn't recover. Um. Forever. So, yeah, forever. <laughs> uh. So I'm just gonna say this one piece. And then you can then you can say your piece and we can move on. Um, this is a game, especially this format, is extremely sensitive to card availability. And what these buyers are doing is perfectly legal. It, there's obviously no laws against it. But you're being a fucking scumbag. Um, if you have that kind of money, I'd say invest it in something that's a little bit more profitable than magic cards. Fun uh, story. There isn't that many options in that category, but yeah. but go on, go on. Well, all right, maybe it's not more profitable. I just feel like you are doing a huge service to the community uh, with these buyouts. Um, that being said, it's not the end of the world. The sky is not falling. TCG player is not the be all end all of of card availability in the community. Uh, the price is going to go up. It just seems that way sometimes. <laughs> it does seem that way because you can, I mean, you know. It's the easiest these, way. But they aggregate a lot of product there. They aggregate a lot of the numbers for the, for the community there. Um, but they are not the be all end all of supply of cards. People will see the price go up and that will 
convince people who are holding on to some cards to sell them off because now would be a good time to sell them. Cards will come into the market. The price will come down so that people can actually sell the cards they have. And we will settle at a number slightly higher than what it was before. Um, so some asshole can make a quick buck on the back of the Magic players in the community. And, uh, and that's all I really have to say about that. I, I mean, Screlly is just a troll, in all honesty. He's not buying yeah, it. Yeah, I actually don't think he already owns. He already has a Magic collection. He already plays the game. Wait, really? Uh, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's buddies with, like, Billy the Fridge. Who, remember that guy uh, who did the... Uh, the <laughs> that fucking blows my mind that Billy the Fridge and Martin Scarelli are friends. <laughs> I mean, you know. You know, it, it's... Uh, I don't, I'm not even going I don't think into... about it, I'm like, of course they are. Of, of course, course they, they are. are. Of course they are. So, <laughs> if, if you don't know who Billy the Fridge is, just YouTube it. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's really funny. Um, and I think Screlly is uh, probably a pretty funny guy in his own, in his own right. Um... But, uh, you know, as far as, like, you I would, know... I would get a beer with Barnes Crowley, if nothing yeah. else, just to see how that man, t- how he ticks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he obviously knows how to make money, but... Anyway, my, my point is, is, like, look, yeah, you're making money off the community, but I think that it's not going to force Wizards' hand, like some people are hoping that it does. It's not going to change anything about the reserve list. Really, you're just hurting the community uh, in the long run, and it's, you know, it's it's for it's for some money. Like, I don't know. I, to me, like, even multiple thousands of dollars are not worth uh, kind of drying up the community that we already have. So, um, anyway, that's all I really have to say about that. Uh, Jerry, if you have anything to add, feel free. Yeah, my, I, I just quick thing on it, just because I am kind of tired of this whole drama, just because it keeps coming up and coming up and coming up. But, you know, yeah, these people are dicks for doing it, but honestly, we can't get too mad at them, because if it wasn't them, it would just be someone else, or someone who is isn't dumb enough to show their face and just does it from the shadows. Right. You know, the only reason why we're hating on Martin Screlly and Craig Berry is because they came out and were proud of it. And right. they basically gave us a face to hate. But honestly, if they didn't do it, it, it's human nature to make money where money can be made. Anyone who doesn't care as much about the community and just knows it as a price valuation, um, they would come in eventually and do it. What I'm kind of just pissed off at is just the kind of culture and the situation that has evolved that allows them to take advantage of this. Because if we didn't allow this sort of behavior to be profitable in the first place, it wouldn't happen. Right. Uh, Which I don't want to get into it, but the reserve list is a big part of it. And then just also kind of, uh, you know, the finance game in magic in general and there's definitely some good people in the finance community like zach sells magic is a great yep. guy uh the guys nerd walla yeah nerd walla uh the guys over at brainstorm brewery like yep. those guys are like the shining beacon of magic finance but there is also just a lot of scummy shitty people out there in magic finance yeah. and yeah it's just a culture i i wish wasn't encouraged as much as it, it was but i i think at the root of it is wizards I think Wizards, if they wanted to, could make some changes, and if things get bad enough, may be forced to make some changes. You'd hope, you'd hope that happens. I mean, I'm all for repealing the reserve list. I, I don't... There are people who think that, like, the prices of cards uh, of standard today are dictated by the existence of the reserve list, which I think is absolutely just fucking insane. Yeah. Like, the reserve list does not does not mean that standard prices are more stable. And that's, like, what I hear from a lot of people, like, that's the argument for the reserve list. <clears throat> that and there is a a large group of people who are collectors who just don't talk about the reserve list 
who aren't on Twitter and who just have these massive collections that would have a serious problem with it, with it being repealed. I, um, I think Wizards is just a little scared, especially when you get names like Martin Scarelli entering the game. Like, I think that probably just scared them shitless even more about repealing the reserve list because Wizards is technically could be liable for a lawsuit if they repeal the reserve list. They have a public statement... Uh, saying, promising to their customers that they would not do X, Y, and Z. If they then yeah. do X, Y, and Z, and a person who wanted to bring suit against them could show that they had loss of value because of Wizards' actions, it's not an ironclad case by any means, but it is definitely something that they could make trouble for Wizards of the Coast and tie them up in the legal system, which... You know, Hasbro has its lawyers, but they also don't want to be spending, you know, hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars, you know, fighting frivolous lawsuits that they could just avoid in the first place by not removing the reserve list. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose it's an argument. I don't know how, how valid that is, really. Like, I don't think that they're afraid of doing anything. It's fucking Hasbro. They have a lot more money than Martin Shkreli could ever want to have. Um, uh, you'd be surprised. Hasbro is not that big of a company. Um, I think their market cap was something at like $800 million, mm-hmm. um, which is a lot of money, but in the grand scheme of things, like Hasbro's a, a me- medium to smaller size company. Mm-hmm. It, it, they're, you know, we think of these companies just like faceless conglomerations, but, you know, these companies are nervous too. They're, they're yeah. always kind of fighting to stay on top. And they do have shareholders to answer to as well, so exactly. that's not, that's not nothing. Um, you know, for sure, like, you know, I think if people are trying to say that, like I said, the card prices today are propped up by the reserve list. I think that's horseshit. And the, the last thing I want to say is that if you think buyouts are being done by Craig Berry and and whoever this uh, this secret cabal of people, buyouts have been going on a lot longer than that by companies that you guys do business with every day. Um, so just be aware of that. Be aware of there are major players in the in the magic card in the magic game who uh, buy out cards, a significant amount of cards, and have have done in the past. Um, and continue to do so. Uh, and these these are the guys who are really controlling the prices of cards. So that's something to be aware of. Uh, consider who you buy your cards from. It's kind of like Blood Diamonds, you know? Like, think about, think about the lineage <laughs> no, of that No, do card. not. <laughs> that is the whitest thing you have ever said. You're equating <laughs> your difficulty in acquiring a piece of cardboard to the suffering of African village children. Oh, no, <laughs> what I'm saying. diamonds. <laughs> First of all, what I'm saying is... Have you seen Blood Diamond? <laughs> I have, have seen Blood Diamond. It's great. Have you seen it's, Leo yeah, in Blood Diamond? It's great. It's great. Those, those are some big rocks. No, what I'm saying is, is just con- consider where the card's coming from, right? Like, consider the linea- the yeah, the heritage of that card. Consider where it's come from and and consider who you're buying from. Be be conscious consumers. Don't just buy the lowest price because you because that's what you want to pay for it. All right, Good. can you sweep that under the rug and be done with it? Yeah, I actually will have an article coming out shortly on um, my. <laughs> so I've kicked around a few ideas with Jerry, and he's told me that I'm literally going to like burn down my place in the community if I say what I'm going to say. So I've modified what I want to say. Um, I've modified a little bit, <laughs> but I, because I don't want to become, I don't want to just, I just don't want to fucking light myself on fire in front of people. So. Yeah. Um, Adrian, I'm going to write an article about kicking puppies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was worse than that. It was worse than that. I mean, according to you. So uh, I'll have an article coming out about my solution to the reserve list. Um, it doesn't involve reprinting any cards. So stay tuned for that. Oh, boy. All right. 
We uh, we want to get into some scoops. Hell yeah, I want to get into some scoops. Who, Jerry, who do you want to scoop in this week? Uh, I got a huge scoop for Ian Thatcher. Uh, he sent me a wonderful, beautiful foil force of will all the way from Canada. Uh, so got that, and I'm 25% closer to finishing that playset. So huge thank you to him. Uh, recommend it if anyone's thinking of buying any cards from him. Uh, I'll also scoop in everyone we saw at, uh, you know, SCG Worcester, uh, just everyone who came up to us, just talking to us. Uh, Kerman was our, uh, hype man for this event. He took over <laughs> Joe's role. <laughs> like, I'm, like, in the middle of a match, and Kerman just comes up and he goes, yo, I need more stickers. I need to get more stickers to people. <laughs> Kerman would have been more effective if he had a southern accent, though. Y'all like podcasts? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so everyone at SCG, uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, I'm probably forgetting someone and I feel shitty for it. I'm sorry, person, if I'm forgetting to scoop you in, <laughs> but you know who you are. <laughs> oh, jeez, One of those guys. All right. I got a couple quick scoops so we can get out of here. Uh, first guy I want to scoop in a top eight, uh, my opponent round two, Tim, uh, the one who, uh, gave me, uh, an unnecessary ego boost, um, but was just a wicked nice guy. Actually, uh... Does some really fascinating work for a living with horseshoe crabs, um, and uh, which is cool. It was actually his first um, uh, sanctioned legacy event, so it's kind of coming full circle. Like kind of seeing myself a year ago uh, at, the, at an SCG Open playing legacy for the first time, so uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, also, want to give give a big scoop into Jim Not Dredge. Finally got a chance to meet him. Was not like the mental picture I have of him was not what matched up to who I met. Uh, I don't know why. I just expected something more of like, I don't know. I don't know. Adrian's age, I guess. And he seems like he's a pretty young kid. Uh, so he was awesome. Uh, good meeting him. Uh, obviously the crew, Ian, Kyle, uh, Kerman were great at the events. Uh, Kate and, uh, Aaron. Uh, uh, shout out to Aaron for letting me borrow his moat. Oh yeah. Stand up guy, Aaron. Even yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna dream crush uh, Kate for stealing my python needle. Yeah. Oh yeah. Screw you for dream crushing me last week. What the fuck, man? <laughs> hey Jerry, you know what? You don't show up, you get dream crushed. Okay. That's how it works. <laughs> opponent. Um, opponent no show. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um. And uh, you know, just everyone else who was at the event. Uh, if I miss anyone, sorry. But it was it was a great time. Um. We got some Brazilian steakhouse afterwards. It was decent. I, I was. I mean, it was okay. It was it was okay. I mean, the food was good. Uh, the food was okay. I think a lot of the meat was over salted. Yeah, there was a lot of salt. Uh, my biggest problem with it is they hailed themselves as all you can eat, and it wasn't all you can eat. Yeah, man. Like a real Brazilian steakhouse is like the one we went to in Columbus, where you had to have a thing on your table. Yeah, you know, it's a table. You had to turn them up, up, up or down. Like if it's green side up, they just keep bringing you meat, and they don't stop. They won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Rockefeller meat party. Okay, <laughs> turn it upside down with red side up, and they're gonna stop bringing you meat. You get a chance to breathe, sweat out some of the salts you just fucking took in. I mean, like it was legitimately like just nonstop meat party coming on uh, when that green set was up. Meat party. <laughs> um, this place was not like that at all. They were kind of a little skimpy on the meats. Uh, the sides were were so so. Uh, but you know what? You know what made it worth it? What made it a really enjoyable meal was just. All the guys who came uh, to hang out. I think, like, I, I saw Ian laughing probably harder than I've ever seen him laugh in my life. Uh, I thought he was going to, like, piss himself. He was laughing so hard. 
I saw Jerry have a dinner plate that consisted of half a hard-boiled egg and a smear of ketchup. Yeah, I was... <laughs> you all thought he was having breakfast and not dinner? I was sitting at the fucking end of the table. We have a table of, like, 12 people, and a guy comes by uh, with the, like, stick of meat, and he keeps starting on the same side of the table. And so, like, he would go down the table of 12 people, and by the time he gets to me, all the meat's gone. <laughs> like, Adrian's up at the front of the table asking for, third, like, third portions. <laughs> I'm like, like this happened like four times in a row, and finally I'm like, what the fuck, man? It was. I I actually have a picture. I have a picture of your plate that I'm gonna put on the Facebook page uh, next week when it comes out. It is one, dude. It was one of the funniest things. Uh, But what I will say, you know, what was really on point there was their uh, their rotisserie um, pineapple with like the cinnamon sugar on it. That was very good. That that was very good. Yeah. That was almost worth the price of admission there. So, Um, but anyway, uh, it was a great time. So much fun to see everyone. Um, I don't think any of us played anti-league except for uh, Adrian. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, he was really into anti-league, and I just never got one together. I was I couldn't get too amped up for it, but maybe next time, big guy. Um, other than that, man, uh, that's all I have for this week. Excellent. Uh, you know what that means, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, yeah, I guess we got you treasonous bastards. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying, trying to get rid of the roll of die song. All I said was that I don't feel strongly either way, and if I get to pick the song, that's fine, and if the song's picked for me, that's also fine. I don't care. I do not, I could not care less about how the song comes along. So, Billboard, top 100. What year are we doing, Jerry? Give me a roll here. Oh, and I'll, you know what, um, uh, Big shout out to uh, Hobbs Q on Twitter. Sent me a uh, an Umazawa's Jite to just about finish up my uh, my deck here, my Eldrazi Aggro deck, which I'm pretty excited to play up at. Uh, I'm flipping through my cards and not getting my dice, and I don't know why. D20. Are we ready for this? I'm ready. Are we? Let's do. Are we doing backwards? I say we do backwards. All right. Well, let's do backwards then. All right. Here we go. A twenty. <laughs> oh damn. So that is 1973. Jesus. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Uh, let's bad. see. Let's see. Before before we roll, let's see what this our This is the year Adrian was born? This is the year Adrian was born? <laughs> asking, was that the year he was born? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we got we got some good ones. Uh, yeah? I don't know what number one is. Tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. Jesus. That doesn't sound good at all. Uh, bad boy Leroy, Leroy Brown. Uh, I can't. That was a tongue Leroy <laughs> Leroy Brown. <laughs> that was a tongue twister. <laughs> that was like a bad Key and Peele sketch. All right, first one I'm recognizing is number four. Let's get it on by Marvin Gaye. Yep. Uh, we got My Love by Paul McCartney and The Wings at five. Man. We got Crocodile Rock by Elton John at seven. You're so vain, Carly Simon, number nine. I don't want that at all. <laughs> First of all, it's Carly Simon. So, Jesus Christ, Jerry. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that old. <laughs> what we got? Uh, Crocodile Rock by Elton John. You know what? Fuck this. We're going. We're Crocodile going. Crocodile Rock is a great song. We're going. No, I can't. I can't do it, man. I can't do it. All right, veto power. Let's let's re-record it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 2003. No, no, no. Just roll again. Just. Oh, just, re-roll it. Just edit right. that whole part out. <laughs> all right, here we go. It's the magic of movies. <laughs> No, I wanted to say is people know that I vetoed Crocodile Rock. <laughs> They'll never know, Bat. Eight. We're going back eight. So we're going to uh, 1985. The year I was born. Oh, good year. It's the year of my birth. Oh, God. This is worse. 
Jared, this is worse. Uh, this we, is way worse. Like a Virgin by Madonna. Unless it's I Want to Know we, What Love Is. Wake me that up one is a good Go Go by Wham. Great song. Uh, Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. Uh, Take I'm On re- Me by AHA. This is a great year, Pat. <laughs> you were born right. among music legends. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds. <laughs> That's a great song, actually. You know what? We're we, just going to go with Don't You Forget About Me. We, we Are the World? 16? Let's just say I rolled a 16. That's a fucking good song. <laughs> that's a good song. You know what? We're going to dedicate Don't You Forget About Me to the, all the people we forgot about to thank at SCU Worcester. <laughs> this is a weird hybrid dice roll. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we just do roll, the roll, dice roll. Roll a die to get an idea and then take Give suggestions from there. <laughs> We're gonna do. That's a that is a great song. That is a really really good song. You know the uh, you know the history See, behind that Elmo's song. Saint Elmo's Fire is on this. This list is amazing, Pat. Shout. I actually don't know Saint Elmo's Fire, but Shout is a good song. So it was, it was the intro to a television show. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, don't you forget about me by Simple Minds, right? Simple Minds is a British band. Um, and they recorded the song for the movie, um, for The Breakfast Club, which is just an iconic movie. John Hughes film. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's great. Um, so Simple Minds goes in, and this isn't their song. They're not really into it. They record this song, and uh, they record it in the afternoon, release it, and like they just kind of walk away from it. That is what it is. And then the movie comes out, and this song is a smash hit in the U.S. And this is the song that actually broke Simple Minds into the U.S. charts. Uh, if it wasn't for this song, they probably would have never uh, crossed the ocean to get over here. To up uh, to play shows, so they owe this. They owe their a lot of their fame to uh, to this song that they really didn't want to, really didn't want to record or play. That's like uh, the band I forget it. Kind of co- same thing. Um, the Renegade song that's on the ra- radio. Renegade song. Uh, the... I'm pretty sure it's just called Renegade. By I'm just looking it up. Is it a recent song? Uh, X Ambassadors. So Renegades by X Ambassadors. It's it's on the radio right now, but it was actually written for a car commercial. There there was like Jeep Renegade, uh, okay. and they wrote the song for the commercial. And you know, same story. They kind of walked uh, walked away from it, and that commercial came out, and people just fell in love with the song, and uh, X Ambassadors kind of took off from there. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. All right, well, well, that's it for this week, guys. Thanks for tuning in. What? With some sweet, sweet simple minds. <laughs> Jerry, if I'm on the cast, you know there's always at least one simple mind here. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Won't you come to me about me? I'll be alone. Dancing, you know it, baby. Tell me your troubles and doubts. Give me everything inside and out.